The voters decided not to put FAMU in the FCS playoffs, and I'll tell you, if I was in their shoes, what would I have done? Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. And I want to start off because this was not a great week for HBCUs in football. It just genuinely was not the greatest of weeks. And unfortunately, I'm going to start off with the biggest negative story, and that's that FAMU Missed the FCS playoffs. And there was a lot of excitement and hope around FCS playoff uh, or the FAMU making the FCS playoffs. I was never truly sold. Like, I don't think anybody was ever truly sold that they were going to get in. I know there's a lot of people who felt like they should get in. And I'll tell you exactly where I land on that side of the fence. But this is, you know, undoubtedly a trust, uh, a, a tough way to end your season. You know, you end the season on a nine game winning streak. You're feeling good. You, you beat everybody that's in your path since week two. And you feel like you deserve the chance just like you did last year to make the FCS playoffs. You probably felt like you were, especially when some rankings started coming out and saying, oh, they're 24th. And, you know, they even had a poll that ended with them being 20th. So you have those type of things that make you feel like, oh, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. It gave you hope. But the other side of that is that the AFCA poll is what had them at 24th. The FCS coaches poll had them like at 34, I believe. They weren't in the top 25 and you had to keep counting down. They didn't give the numbers, but you just kept counting for how many votes they got because that's just how it works. You you get ranked based on how many votes you have. So you can just keep counting down. And they had, I believe, the 34th most votes in the country. That's a 10-team gap. That is a big discrepancy on how people feel about FAMU. And I can never have any confidence. Like, yes, if you want to look at the positive side, you could always look at that top 25 ranking. But if you want to look at the realistic side, you have to look at that 24, and then you also have to look at this one where you're not in the top 25. Both of these matter, and it seemed like that difference in opinion is what led to them not making the playoffs. Or that's not what led to it, but it was kind of a, a sign of them not making the playoffs. And it's tough, because if you just want to look at raw numbers, let me strip context for a second. FAMU is 9-2. and two. Most 9-2 and two teams are going to make the playoffs. They won their last nine games in a row. They started playing their best football at the end of the year. All of these were reasons that I felt like, okay, they had a good chance. That makes the case for them. You know, in most conferences, if 9-2 and two doesn't win you the conference, it's going to get you an at-large bid. Now let's go and let's, you know, we're talking about the way they're viewed. Let's look at why there's a difference because it's clear that one poll took that side. One poll said they have nine wins in a row. One poll said, well, they beat Southern, they beat Alabama State, but the other poll just was not sold, and why could that be the case? And that's because resumes 
are not black and white. You can't just put FAMU 9 and 2 and you think that's all that they're going to look at. It's not. You have to look deeper. You have to dig deeper because the, the chairman of the FCS playoffs came out and said, FAMU's strength of schedule and win over Albany State is why they're not making it. And honestly, you can tell me they're 9 and 2, and I hear you. But they're telling you why they didn't make the playoffs. And that's going to be important. They're telling you why they didn't make the playoffs. If I was a voter, I'm not putting them in either. I'm just going to say it. If I was a voter and they came to me with FAMU as they were in 2022 and asked me if I was going to put them in the playoffs without knowing everybody in there, of course, I'm probably saying no. And there's three reasons. Strength of schedule, lack of dominance, and then getting whooped by Jackson State. Those are my three reasons on why I wouldn't have put FAMU into the playoffs. So let's start off with strength of schedule because that was something they said. And I know that the win over Albany State sounded weird, but I'm going to explain to you why I understand what they're saying, and it's actually part of my uh, reasoning. So strength of schedule, they had the 108th ranked strength of schedule this year. 108th. And I really don't like getting into numbers sometimes because numbers are just numbers without context. So let's strip that number away. Just know it exists, but let's strip it away now. How many good teams do you think that FAMU beat this year? I'm putting that up to you. How many good teams do you think that FAMU beat this year? I don't think as many. I think you can argue for Southern and Alb uh, Albany State. Southern and Alabama State. That's who I believe. You beat two good teams all year. That's not good. And when you're not having a strong strength of schedule, let's just be honest. The strength of the schedule is, is a factor. We can sit around and, and argue about whether or not it should be or not. Whatever, man. Too often we get into, you got to pick a side now for me. This is how I say this. You can either argue about what it should be or you can look at what they said it is and correct it. I've seen both sides. But here's my thing. Before the season even started, people were upset and they were saying, you know what, Jackson State, you should play better competition. I'm assuming, because I wasn't one of the ones who said it as far as just believing it. When people told Jackson State they should play better competition, to me, it was a way to say to validate how good you are. Oh, well, Jackson State, if you're really that good, you should go play better competition. Okay. And there's people within our own HBCU community who was saying that. But then you look at FAMU, and when FAMU doesn't make the playoffs, and they say it's because of strength of schedule, and we know the strength of the schedule is impacted by the fact that they did not have strong out-of-conference opponents, why are people shocked? It's a very similar sentiment. It's a very similar sentiment to what you said about Jackson State. Let me say it again. Jackson State, before the season even started, we knew how great they were. A lot of people within our own HBCU community was saying, well, you need to play better opponents. You need to play a stronger strength of schedule. And I'm assuming it was to validate how good Jackson State was. So when the voters for, or the committee for the FCS playoff says, well, fam, you ain't playing nobody. Why, why are we upset? Why are we shocked? Because people within our own community held Jackson State to that standard. So is fam, you not supposed to play out of conference opponents that are strong to prove they're good? Or is it only Jackson State? And I don't want to bring it back to them, so I'll divert now. But that's a question that I think should be answered. Consistency. That's all I'm asking for. And when the strength of the schedule is not strong, you have to dominate. And they ain't dominate. 
They did not dominate. That's my personal opinion. You know, I think they played the best ball at the end of the year, but FAMU was not a dominant team. They were a very talented team, and you saw them win a lot of games because they were talented, but I felt as if they should have really laid the hammer on a lot more people. I really feel like they should have smushed a lot more of their opponents, but they didn't, and people pay attention to that. So when they say the win over Albany State, a 10-point win at home, that's not enough. You're supposed to smash Albany State. And then you see them play the best team they played all year. I guess North Carolina, but like well, I'm talking about FCS level. They played the best team they played all year, Jackson State. They got whooped. They got embarrassed. They looked like they weren't supposed to be on the field. You know, and I think that's where context has to come in because Deion Sanders said the only teams they lost to were the number five team in the nation and then also an FBS opponent. Well, they didn't just lose to the number five team in the nation. Last year they did. Last year they just lost to you. This year, they look like they weren't even supposed to be on the same field as you. And this is about putting the best teams against the best teams. And when we saw FAMU against one of the best teams, a team that would be a higher seed in the playoffs, what happened? They got beat badly. And listen, I think things happen differently if they played today. 100%. That, that's not the best situation. I will acknowledge that. However, at the same time, it happened. And I knew it was going to be held against them. I just knew that. Fam, you always had a case. And talent-wise, yeah, maybe they should have. However, the resume is not just 9-2. and two. You have to get, then go into dissecting the 9-2. and two. So if you're just going to look at Fam, you 9-2, you look at all the other notable teams that were left out, they're 7-4. It's way different. But when you look at the resume, 9-2 and two is not all that we're looking at. It's just that simple. And going forward, unfortunately... I'm going to keep the bad news going, but I promise we do end on a high note. <laughs> but I'm going to talk about North Carolina A&T, who also missed their opportunity to make it into the FCS playoffs. Before I get into that, however, I want to tell you about Simply Safe. We're getting into the times where you're going to have a lot of packages. I know that's the case, right? We have Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas time. All of these things are happening, and a lot of times we order online. Well, you have to be careful, and that's not the only thing you need to watch out for. Just basic crime around the house breaking and entering, all of these things. But if you really want to feel comfortable in your home, even when you're not at home, if you want to make sure that your house is comfortable when you're not there, there's only one place to go, Simply Safe. Simply, Simply Safe is the only place to go because there is no safe like Simply Safe. They have been they have been ranked the number one home security system three years in a row, and they have a 24-7 monitoring system that allows them to contact the police if you're not able to be contacted and get them a real breakdown of what's going on, even if you haven't been alerted yet. It's always going to have you safe no matter what. They take all of the precautions, and right now they are 50% off. 5-0, not 1-5, but 5-0. 50% off on any security system. All you have to do is go to simplysafe.com slash lockedoncollege and reap the benefits. 50% off. Go get that now. on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day and being a part of your daily routine makes me just feel so special. For your second listen of the day, stay on this platform right now and go listen to Locked on Sports Today with Peter Bukowski, bringing in all the local experts for the biggest national stories. Make sure you are checking him out. It's great content on a daily basis and really helps you feel more comfortable in knowing about what's going on. Now I want to talk about North Carolina A&T. Woo! 
this one hurt. Right? Like, fam, you, I was on the fence. I, I wasn't sold they were going to make it. I was hopeful. But this one right here, North Carolina A&T, that, that, that one hurt, man. Because I really felt like they had a chance, a real chance. And unfortunately, they just weren't able to get it done. North Carolina A&T lost to Gardner-Webb and in turn lost the Big South Championship because they weren't able to make chicken. That's what Coach Washington says. That's their daily uh, or their weekly um, um, game plan, no matter who they're playing. It's, we call it making chicken is what he said, right? You want to run the football or stop the run, excuse me. You want to protect the football and you want to win the kicking game. So stop the run, protect the football, win the kicking game. The last one, I don't know. You know, it probably didn't really matter because they weren't in situations where they could really, you know, flip the field or or, or, or kick the ball for, or excuse me, kick field goals. They just, you weren't in those situations. So we'll just leave that as a, a, a non-applicable, right? N.A. But these first two, they didn't do that. Not only were they not able to stop the run, they lost a running battle, you know? And when you got Bashul Tootin on the team, I'm not going to say it's hard because they had a really good running back on the other side but you would hope that you're going to win the battle. And most times you do, this time you didn't, right? And then when I say Tootin didn't win the battle, let's look Let's look at what Tootin was able to do during this game on Saturday. Tootin had a 61-yard touchdown in the first quarter. That felt like it was like, oh, now we about to get going. Because it, it just wasn't a great day for him leading up to that. It was only the first quarter. So, you know, okay, we know what he can do. He was bottled up before that. He was bottled up after that. It just wasn't a great day. It happens. He was trying to find his 10th straight 100-yard game and, and tie a Big South record, most in the season, but tied overall. He did that. But most of it came on the backs of that 61-yard touchdown. If we're just looking at it, we're just looking at the numbers, most of that is off the backs of the touchdown. So overall, he had 17 carries for 108 yards, right? Or, excuse me, yeah. So he had 16 or 17 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown. If you strip out that touchdown, all of those numbers except for the carry drop, drop dramatically. And that's not what you really want. You don't want to take out one carry and everything just drops because he had 6.1 yards per carry. You take that out, now you're looking at 2.9. You're looking at 16 carries for 47 yards, no touchdowns, and 2.9 yards per carry. It's a rough day. He hasn't been held below four yards per carry since week one. So in this whole stretch, He's been averaging over four, a lot of times, over five yards per carry. And this time he did it as well. However, it was all off the backs of that one big play. And they really bottled him up outside of that for 16 other carries. And that's a kudos to Gardner-Webb. It's a kudos to them. But then when they won, right? And I'm, and I'm glad that Tootin still got the record because it's like a silver lining, you know? It's something good that comes from it. And when it's all said and done, probably years from now, probably probably won't even look at it fondly until he's out of college. He will look back and be like, oh, okay, I'm glad that I got that record or tied that record. Because now it's, you know, until somebody else beats it, he's immortalized alongside with the other guy who has it. So, um, but when I say they lost the, the battle, you look at Gardner-Webb, they had two running backs who were just going crazy. Two running backs who had really good games. They had two of these guys who totaled for over 200 yards total and four touchdowns, two apiece. On 27 carries. Nari Gaither had 107 yards. Jaden Brown had 93 yards. Both of which had two touchdowns, like I said. That's just really good running. And if you're not running the ball for 200-something yards with two, it's, it's, it's not going to work for you. You know, like you want to stop the run. Didn't do it. Even Bailey Fisher, the quarterback, he had a good day running. When he needed something, 
the first couple of drives, he was getting mad first downs. When you look at the passing game, TJ Luther was getting what he wanted. That was one of the matchups we were looking at, even though Prunty wasn't there. Um, Luther was getting what he wanted early in the game. He ended up calming down. He wasn't even the leading receiver for the day, and they didn't pass the ball for many yards. However, when they needed something early and they were setting the tone, Luther was getting what he wanted. Bailey Fisher was scrambling and getting first downs. I think he had like two or three first downs on the first three drives. Just And that's with the first drive being an interception or turnover. Like, he was very effective on his legs. And we look at protect the football because we're talking about turnovers. They didn't. They forced a couple of turnovers North Carolina A&T did, but they also gave up four of them. So they forced two and forced four. Or excuse me, they forced two and gave up four. That's a negative two in the turnover margin. And it's just not, it's not going to win you games. You can't stop the run. You can't protect the football. And this was something that they really put an emphasis on because they struggled to protect the football last year against Gardner-Webb. So I kind of felt like, okay, this is something that's very important. They're going to make sure that they do it, right? Because Coach Washington is putting the emphasis on it, but it didn't happen. So, and it felt like all of their turnovers were very impactful, like, right? So the last interception ended up being the end of the game. It was the only interception in the second half, and luckily they were able to put together a, a safer second half than the first half, but it was it was all for nothing. But in that first half, they had three interceptions, or three turnovers, excuse me, two fumbles and an interception. That last interception in the first half also was only bailed out because the half was over. So basically, if it wasn't an interception where the half was over, they scored points. Ten points came off of turnovers, and you can't do it. You just cannot allow for it. And like I said, the kicking game is up in the air it's really no way to tell it wasn't really impactful it's not like it was a close game it's not like a, a missed field goal swayed anything but you turned over the ball it led to points you got turnovers but not enough to counteract what you did offensively and then you just couldn't stop the run and you couldn't win the run so when you're looking at the keys to victory stop the run protect the football you lose on both sides of the ball in both of those scenarios it's a tough ending for the big south but a tough ending for their time in the Big South, but they are going into the CAA and hopefully they can carry this momentum because it was a good year. It's, it was a tough ending, but it was a really good year and hopefully they can carry that momentum into their next, into their next conference. And going forward, we have some good news and we're going to talk about Howard and why their win over Morgan State really helped their football profile, especially when it comes to marketing and recruiting. But before we get into that, however, today I want to tell you about Nissan. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan and it's very simple. So this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan's are intended to empower the drivers in cars that are vehicle or excuse me, vehicles that are as capable as the driver themselves. So when I think about unbelievable moments, unfortunately, Texas Southern fumbled the ball at the one yard line when they were up 10 yard, 10 points. They were going to be up 17. They fumbled the ball and that changed everything. Alabama A&M from there went on to an un or held Texas Southern scoreless. Andrew Body was hurt and Alabama A&M dashed TSU's chances at a SWAC West championship. One that I think was very promising had they won this game. Very hurtful. But this segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available at NissanUSA.com. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, 
positivity. We have good things to talk about. If you made it to the end, they say, give me the bad news first so we can end with the good news. And the good news is that Howard is, well, it's kind of a complicated situation, but they have a share of the MEAC championship. They knocked off Morgan State, and it really grew their football appeal, in my opinion. So I said this last year, really in the spring, but last athletic year, still the same calendar year. Howard is the best overall school in the MEAC. That was true in 2021 to 22, right? In fall 21, spring 22. That was the truth. Like, you just break it down. I know a lot of people might want to argue. You break down the numbers. They were the best team in the conference last year. They just weren't good at football. And I think that's the reason people argue. Like, had I told you North Carolina Central or, or South Carolina State was the best school in the MEAC last year, I don't think a lot of people are going to fight me. It wouldn't be true. But I don't think a lot of people would fight me because they were good at football. And football really shapes how we look at schools a lot, you know. Unless you're just a definitive basketball school, everybody, you know, that's just what you do. Like Duke. Like you were just known as a basketball power. And I don't think HBCUs get that luxury. TSU is completely a basketball school. Yet I still see the identity of the athletics shaped by football. Maybe it's because we're in Texas and that's just the biggest sport. But I don't think a lot of HBCUs get the whole basketball. No, you're, you're just going to get lumped in with how America is. And that's that football is the biggest sport. And it shapes how you're viewed. Well, it sounds like Howard is kind of fitting that last piece of the puzzle in. To where if I told you that Howard is the best overall school, you're not going to shake your head. You're not. Because they're good at basketball. I mean, they're good at football. You assume they're going to be good at basketball. And now you have those two. Well, now it just looks and like, ooh, okay. We see what they are. And this win over Morgan State did wonders. And I didn't even realize this. Technically, Howard has a share of the MEAC championship. That threw me off. Threw me off. And I was confused when I first saw it. When I first saw or heard this news, I had to go investigate because I was I was on Instagram scrolling. I was swiping. And I saw this, this post that had Howard players holding up like MEAC championship, a banner or a post or something. I was like, what they doing with that? So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, did North Carolina Central have some type of violation that got them disqualified? What's going on, right? And technically, Howard does have a share of the MEAC title by regular season tie. They just won't be a part of the Celebration Bowl. To me, I, I, I struggle to see that. But now that I've seen it and seen, oh, this is the first time that this could be said in 30 years, I would say it too. You know, like if, if I was a Howard fan, I would say it. If I was Howard alum, if TSU was in that same position, I'm saying it. I don't care that we're not representing the Celebration Bowl. I don't care that we're not the the actual champions. We're technically a co-champion. And in years, context will fade. And I can continue to use this as a recruiting tool. Some will argue, but I ain't really worried about them. I'm worried about my recruits. I'm worried about people I'm trying to pull in. I'm trying to worry about showcasing the success that my school has. Because... Yes, second place is a good finish, but it don't sound as good as co-champs. It don't sound as good. So if I'm Howard, I'm using that. It's a way to really put an exclamation point on the turnaround season. And the turnaround season is twofold. You could talk about the years prior, or you could talk about this year as it started, both of which were turnarounds. This is a great, great season, and I think that it's an emphatic ending to say, yeah, we're co-champs. Yeah, we did that. I don't care that North Carolina Central is in the Celebration Bowl. 
As long as my recruits understand that, hey, we putting together something special. We were co-champs next year. We're going to be just champs next year. Or we were co-champs this year. We're just going to be champs next year. That's what I would do. And I ain't even mad at them, right? So that's what this really did. This win over, over Morgan State. I thought they were fighting for second place. Silly me, I forgot. You could have co-champions. It's not just because they don't have a celebration or, excuse me, a MEAC championship. So this is, this is a great celebration bowl for North Carolina Central to be in, but it's a pretty good recruiting tactic for Howard to partake in as well. So I ain't mad at Howard. Do your thing, do your thing, do your thing. Go ahead, champ. <laughs> but on tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about a team that was the biggest winner, and that's Southern University. They could be in the SWAC championship this year in Dooley's back-to-back uh, appearances, but, man, they didn't even play a game. They were the biggest winner. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. On tomorrow's episode, that's what we're breaking down for your second listen of the day. Check out Locked On Sports today on whatever podcast platform you want to check it out on. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.